G7 foreign ministers are meeting in Tokyo today, and uh, on top of their agenda, of course, is the situation in the Middle East and uh, where that might ultimately lead and uh, what kind of resolution can be found. It doesn't seem to be... um, an opportunity for them to make much headway, at least not to this point. Ultimately, I think the United States holds all the cards here. They're the only one that can really sort of have any kind of overt influence um, over Israel at this point. Um, The support, the relationship there, uh, they're in a position to actually make a difference. I think, you know, Canada and probably even the UK and France and everybody else can stand up and say what they want, and they have in many instances to little or no effect. However, we are hearing more and more Anthony Blinken today um, continuing his efforts to try and come to some sort of understanding. There was talking about... um, trying to get humanitarian pauses built up as Israel continues the military campaign in Gaza. We've uh, engaged the Israelis on steps that they can take to minimize civilian casualties. We're working, as I said, very aggressively on getting more humanitarian assistance into Gaza. And we have very concrete ways of doing that. And I think you'll see in the days ahead uh, that that assistance can expand in, in, in significant ways. Okay, well, I guess we'll wait and see. The past 24 hours have seen some of the most intense Israeli airstrikes so far. They have uh, announced that they have cut Gaza in two, um, basically split it in half at this point, and um, they are continuing to maintain a one-way humanitarian corridor from the north to the south for people who want to uh, evacuate from the north. There are still hundreds of thousands of citizens in the north. That is the focus of the targets uh, at at this point. And they have also brought in a communications lockdown, at least in some areas, no internet, no telephone, all the rest. So um, not a lot has changed despite what? the U.S. Secretary of State is saying in terms of progress that he may have made. We're going to speak with um, Dr. Ferry DeKerkov, a senior fellow at the Graduate School of Public and International Affairs, University of Ottawa, a fellow of the Canadian Global Affairs Institute, and someone we speak to often about international affairs such as this. Uh, Ferry, thank you so much for being here. I always appreciate your time. With pleasure. Okay, so uh, we've got, uh, I think, do you agree the United States is really the only outside force that really has any kind of influence on what Israel might do? And to this point, it doesn't seem like they have a lot of influence, but that's the only person or the only country, I guess, that could possibly make some headway here? How can I not agree with you? Because you're absolutely dead right. Because only the U.S. can do something, and even them, has, despite the yeah. sway and influence they have over Netanyahu, they can't even move the, you know, the dice in any any way. So it's 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 absolutely fascinating that a country that has been really supported for the past 76 years against all kind of adversities, attacks, etc., with four billion dollars of military assistance, with more you know, debated in the, in, in the House of Representatives and eventually in the Senate, you, you would think that somehow the American could say, okay, stop now yeah. and pause. And, and, and it's not happening at all. Netanyahu has said, I'm not going to allow any pause until the hostages are freed. But then what's next? Okay, I free all the hostages, then tomorrow morning, can I go and slaughter every single guy from Hamas? Is, is that... Is 
is that the deal? So it's, it's extraordinary, but at the same time, it is much more complicated than that. But you're absolutely right. No other power than the U.S. can have any influence on the conflict. And the U.S. is bringing all the tools necessary to ensure that Israel prevails, uh, including whether we've, if we have a Hezbollah attack in yeah. the north or if we have even some more from, you know, from Yemen. Can you imagine Yemen missile cross about a thousand miles above various countries before they actually come to Israel? It is just an amazing situation. Okay, let's talk about those other uh, Yemen you mentioned, Lebanon you mentioned. We saw uh, the leader of Hezbollah last week talking about their stance. How concerned are you, Ferry, that this could spill into a larger regional conflict? I am both very concerned and at the same time, and don't ever quote me on what I'm going to say, <laughs> that Nasrallah, the head of the Hezbollah in the Lebanese parliament, because as you know, these guys have actually a seat in the parliament yeah. because the whole, the whole Lebanese is based on faith and not on the normal process of, of democracy. But the fact that Nasrallah has stayed more or less calm about what goes on, even though he still promises to send all Jews to hell, etc. But the, the, the dialogue, as it is put, I think we're on a pause. The real issue is can the skirmishers at the border and the fact that there are several Israeli citizens that have been killed, they've been in the, the thousand moving south to protect themselves, so there's that kind of feeling of a growing anxiety about what could happen, and if it's a spark and it explodes, then we are in very deep trouble, because if you remember 2006, Israeli IDF went into Lebanon wanting to get rid once and for all of the Hezbollah, and after six weeks of battle, they came back to at home empty-handed because they just couldn't defeat those guys. And don't, don't forget that Hezbollah has 150,000 rockets of a much greater capability than the one Hamas had. So, so you're asking me, am I worried? Of course I'm worried, because on the other hand, there's a growing, growing concern in the Arab world when you see that Queen Rania of, of Jordan is, is, uh, is starting to say, what do you need more to declare it a humanitarian disaster? You know, it, it's the second time that the Queen pronounces herself. Uh, and, and so it's very disquieting. The Arab, don't forget that we have leaders in the Arab world that are not democracies, but there's a negative part of that one, other than the fact that it's not democratic, is that the street can still speak. Mm-hmm. And, and all these leaders that are very, you know, they're not democratic, at a certain state have to hammer their own population to cool them off. And that could also explode in a different direction. So, yes, I'm worried. Um, we had this conversation with a guest last week, Ferry, and as someone who's monitored and been involved in international relations for so long, I'm wondering your take. Netanyahu says we will destroy Hamas. We will destroy Hamas. Can you? Hamas is an idea at its core, Ferry. You can probably destroy all of the military leaders, all the political leaders, all of the shot callers for Hamas, but Hamas will persist. Or, I mean, we did it with Al-Qaeda only to see it replaced by ISIS. What's the end game? I understand what Israel's saying, and it's hard to disagree with them. Can they do it? 
Yeah, I, I, I agree entirely with your previous commentator last week. But, you know, the, the point is that what did exactly what is destroying Hamas? Is it people or an idea? And the real issue, once again, is can you create a two-state solution that would offset all the horrors that we've been going through, that we've seen? You know, I, I've seen that Blinken went to discuss with Mahmoud Abbas to see whether the Fatah could take over Gaza. That's a very difficult proposition because since 2007, they've been so much at odds with one another that, you know, they hate one another. Let's assume that all the Hamas is out. You still have a lot of sympathizer to the Hamas cause who are barely surviving the onslaught of Israeli. These guys, I'm going to wake up in the morning when the hostages are free and all of that saying, we've been, you know, we've been had, we've been plummeted, we've been, and there's nothing coming for us. Israel is still going to control the place. Even if it gives it to Mahmoud Abbas and the Fatah, they will still have in control. It will still be some kind of occupied territory until a a country is created that is called Palestine. But even then, you know, right from the beginning with Gaza, that indeed could be like a nice Dubai, but it's not a nice Dubai, so leave that aside. The communication between Gaza and the West Bank has to be created. And, and you know, the whole idea is to have this kind of highway or, or underground tunnel that goes between Gaza and, 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 and you know, the, the West bank. All of that takes a lot of time. And meanwhile, the angst, the anger, the desperation, the memories of slaughtering 10, 12,000 Palestinian and 45% or 50% of them kids, that is going to leave agonizing distraught for, 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 for generations. generations to yeah. come. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a it's an impossible situation. Ferry, thank you so much for your insight. As always, I do appreciate you being here. With pleasure. Thanks for having me.